Okay. All right. I'm preaching tonight. My name's Jesse. I work here. I don't want to get rid of this. Um, I'm not in a very good mood. I know. Again. Oh, I can't go very far. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Because it hasn't, I don't know, it's been an intense day. You know, because I preached this morning at, at the, at the, at our, at our morning service. I spent, I talked all day with Keegan about stuff that, you know, we just really care about. It was just intense stuff. And like, this morning was in, was intense and, I don't know, there's no really re- real reason why I should be as pissy as I am, but I am. Um, it reminds me, oh, I wish Paul was here. Me and Paul saw the Swinging Utters a month ago, and uh, they're not young, but uh, the lead singer gets up on stage and he says, I'm old and I'm angry. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> here we go. Um, but yeah, he was totally aggro. I mean, he was smashing his head with the microphone and stuff. I was like, oh, right on. Punk rock's not dead. It's just trying to kill itself. <laughs> trying to figure out the best way to do something here. Um, and then it's just going to totally fall. Oh, stupid thing. Okay. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to pray in a minute. I don't know. Hey, thanks, man. Um, I'm going to pray in a minute because I need it. Um, it's just... Some yeah, kind of spiritual going on, just because like friends of mine, friends of mine that are doing good things, are just having they're they're having shitty weeks, and I'm having a shitty day, and it's like, what's up? There's no reason for it, except that my friends, these friends in particular, and God have mercy, maybe me, are doing really good things for God. They are following Jesus. And sacrificing of themselves. And people are coming, like, stuff is coming up against them. And it's, why does that happen? Because they're doing good stuff. The enemy says, okay, <laughs> let's make this less effective. Let's make this worse. And that, that's my best hypothesis. Um, because, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I'm such, an, I'm such a bad mood, but uh, I am. So, brothers and sisters and everybody here, if you want to pray for me, and with me right now, that'd be awesome. Uh, Father, thanks for the day. Um, I don't, I didn't like it, but I know I should thank you for it anyway. Um, you do good things, and good according to you, not good according to me. So uh, I don't know if I get to understand that or not tonight. Um, but what I need right now is for you to help me out. You need to say stuff. You need to. Not let me say stuff. All my friends in here, they want to hear from you. So let them have ears that can hear things that that I can't say. Ears that hear only what you say. Um, have mercy on me for whatever I screw up. And um, God, if it's your will, may, may this be fun. May we enjoy ourselves. Uh, enjoy your word. So... <sighs> do love you. I love you a lot. And, um, yeah, put your son's name on all these things, hoping that it's your will. Amen. Um, 
Do I have two copies? No, oh, okay, I get it. Um, did, did, does everybody kind of have a copy of the of the passage tonight? I kind of threw them around. I've got I've, there's I got extras, so send send some that way just for fun. And how about down on the floor? I bet there's a bunch of people not on the floor or on the floor that didn't get it. Um, I only printed I only printed a hundred out, but uh, so yeah, count on sharing. the the reason The reason I printed it out this time is because it's. Um, the passage I have tonight is a rerun. I've got uh, feeding the four thousand. Um, honestly, it was it was hard coming up with this sermon. Feeding the four thousand. I was like, okay, no problem. You know, yeah, Mike talked about feeding the five thousand just a few weeks ago, but you know, there's got to be something different about it. And I read it, and it's pretty much the same. <laughs> it's uh, except for he feeds less people. It's like a crappy sequel. What is going on with this? I mean, and so, like, a lot of what I'm talking about is is the comparison of the two. Because, like, what's, <laughs> what do I do with this? Like, I looked through, it was like, okay, well, Mike talked about that. And, oh, no, I can't talk about that. Uh, I, and so I went to the Internet. Oh, my gosh. Um Internet. I generally don't look around on the internet for sermon outlines or illustrations, and I'll tell you why. Because I found absolutely nothing. No one preaches on feeding the four thousand. <laughs> like this, you might as well do the good one. <laughs> the five thousand. Just like, oh, take it. No one preaches on this. They. And then when I got to the commentaries, you know what other people say about the Bible. Basically, they said, the two commentaries I read, they were like, okay, well, a lot of people think that that feeding the 5,000 and feeding the 4,000 are, are, you know, there's some differences. And the, both the commentaries that I read said, well, there's not. They think that the, the <laughs> there's this difference and this difference, but that doesn't really make any sense. And, and at this, and it's, it's pretty much the same thing. And then they just skipped it and didn't pull anything out of it and just go on to the next verses. I was like, oh my gosh, commentaries, these commentaries aren't very good. <laughs> I was getting nothing. So last resort, what do I do? I pray. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, well, it's, it's not true. I actually have been praying about this quite a bit. Let me read this and, and just, yeah, see if this sounds familiar to you at all. <laughs> During the, okay, it's Mark 8, the second one, the feeding of the 4,000. That's what I, that's what I was given. Thanks, Mike. Um, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some, some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Well, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. And he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. 
And having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. Okay. So, um, yeah, what's different? Yeah, not much. There are some differences. Okay. Feeding 5,000. When they're done, they've got 12 basketfuls. And if, you, if you're using the original language in the feeding 4,000, they have seven sacks. So there's a major difference. And that's what I'm going to talk about for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the, the, but yeah, I mean, it's so similar. I mean, yeah, there's 4,000 people, and then there's 5,000 people. The, the region is a little bit different. Uh, the first region for 5,000, it's almost, it's like entirely Jewish. It's all Jews, virtually. And the second one is just like half Jews. So it's like mixed. And so, it, I mean, there's not even, there's not even much to really compare there. It's like all or, and some instead of all and nothing. And I don't know, it's not much of a contrast. Um, Let's see, what, what other, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, where they got the bread, where they got the bread, you know, it's, you know, the first time they got it out of the crowd, um, and uh, the second time, the disciples actually had it. Um, the Similar, again, though, is that the disciples are still stupid. Um, just like, I don't know how many days before, Jesus did this feeding of 5,000, like, Jesus, where are we going to get enough food to feed all these people. It's like, oh my gosh! Okay, so intelligence hasn't gone anywhere over a few days. But, okay. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, a, a difference is compassion. Um, commentary really failed here. Um, yeah, well, Jesus, again, has compassion and feeds them. Well, yeah, he has compassion in the feeding of the 5,000, if you look, or yeah, the feeding of the 5,000, if you look in the left column. Um, and he has compassion in the 4,000. But what he has compassion about is completely different. What did he have compassion about in the beginning? When Jesus landed, this is 34 of Mark 6. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began te teaching them many things. Mark 8, he has compassion upon them because they're hungry. They're hungry in the, in, the, in the first one, too. But he doesn't care about that. The, it's the disciples, actually, who pointed out to, to Jesus in, in, in Mark 6. It's like, you know, it's been all day. These people are hungry. Let's help them out. We've come a long way. But in Mark 8, Jesus is like, I don't know, it's like Jesus learned something? Maybe? I don't know. Like, oh yeah, humans get hungry. <laughs> I mean, he le like, if you look at, yeah, verse verse 2, I've come, wait, yeah, yeah, they've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So he's led them three days out to a remote place. And yeah, no one's really had enough food to eat. Jesus sucks at church retreats. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Both of them, people are following Jesus crazy-like. And the first one, Jesus and his disciples, 
they're supposed to, they just had kind of an intense, like, few days of ministry, and they're going to go on vacation. They're going to take some time off. And so they get in this boat, go across the lake, you know, to the, like, resort. I don't know, whatever. But, like, people see Jesus get in a boat, and they start hoofing it. They run around the lake to meet him and take as many friends with him as they can. And then there's this crowd waiting for him. Yeah, it must have run really fast. Waiting for him on the other side of the lake. And Jesus is like, oh, man. What did I say? <laughs> They're into this. Whatever whatever I'm saying. And, like, they need a shepherd. This is what I'm going to talk about tonight. What Jesus cares about. How he prioritizes things. Because the way this looks, Jesus says, okay, you need a shepherd. And after you got a shepherd, you need food. He is not read Maslow's hierarchy. Or foreseen it. Being God, you know. <laughs> this, is, this doesn't make sense. This is what's weird about feeding the 4,000. This indicates some tension, something weird that Jesus does that we got to figure out. Why does he do this? That's what I love looking for in Scripture, so you know. When God does something weird, like, don't think for a second that it's an accident. He does weird on purpose. Come of the earth, say hallelujah. <laughs> my, my fellow freaks and geeks. Um, okay, so let's get into this. So he says they need a shepherd. That's what he wants them to have in Mark 6. What's a shepherd? Okay, it's a herdsman. Duh. <laughs> but so let's, let's keep it going. What does a herdsman do? Well, they take care of a flock. They take care of you know, generally speaking, cattle, animals, things that are following them. They fix them when they're broke. They defend them from predators. They get them what they need. Applying this further, Jesus looked out at these, at these people and was like, oh, these people need someone to fix them, someone to defend them, someone to get them what they need. That's his first thought when he gets out of the boat. Now, this is, all this all the shepherd stuff. I mean, you can understand it, it takes trust. Going further with the sheep thing, you know, I have I have ranching roots. My grandfather, Papa, he was awesome. He was tough. He only had nine fingers, and. So I mean I've been around sheep a couple times. Like if you if you come up to a sheep, they don't want to be around you. They're like, it's a human, run away! I mean they just like they're afraid of you, and they get a, they're like trying to run away. Like no human, bad. And they they don't want to be around you. But then the person who actually takes care of the sheep, you know, they walk in and they like surround them. Like oh, they like you more. Why is that? It's because they've taught 
the sheep have been around this person. This sheep, the, this person has proved to the sheep that, oh, you take care of me. You fix me. You defend me. And you get me what I need. It takes time, pretty much time every day, of fixing them, defending them, getting them what they need. And then that trust happens. Now, this trust is a big deal. Jesus was saying that these people hadn't found anyone to trust until they found him. Now, yeah, does this make sense? No. I mean, honestly, our world, this doesn't make sense. What have we found to trust in? Not much. When we go outside these walls, we are not expecting to find someone that's going to fix us, defend us, get us what we need. Our assumption, once we go out these doors, is that people are going to screw us, defund us, and get us nothing. I think this is like especially true of our age, and even more so of this community at SCUM. Either so many of us have been victimized out there, or we see the victimization that's going on out there. There is not much raising our trust in anyone. Cops, the government, preachers. <laughs> trust is going downhill. And as, I mean, raised as a kid in North America, generally speaking, our highest rung of maturity is independence. Not dependence. Don't trust anybody. Fend for yourself. You know how at the, at the end of my, my sermons I normally have the, the inspiring works, you know, things like pieces of culture, music, books I've read that, that have shed some light on, on my sermon. Well, everything, almost all the culture that I partake of and the music that I listen to actually says no. Don't trust anyone. To quote bad, relig- bad religion. Oh, I have a sweatshirt on tonight. To quote bad religion, like fend for yourself and shun the handshake. To quote Snapcase, self-inherence. Freedom comes from within. To quote Hot Water Music, who is an incredibly positive and hopeful band. Bow to nothing, because nothing will save you. Has... has how about uh, a ca- the Catcher in the Rye? There's some social pessimism. Everybody loves that book. I love that book. Even Pedro the Lion, David Bazan, a, a hero of Christian music. That guy, that guy has about as much hope in any human as a bird in the Gulf of Mexico does. <laughs> Snap! <laughs> Seriously! There's so little hope in humanity in our world. There's not much to trust in. And Jesus is saying, first thing you need in your life is someone to trust. No! Why? Why would we do this? 
we don't want to do this. Our culture says don't. But Jesus walked by in these passages and it emptied towns. What did he say? What did he do? Had to be good. All these people lined up like, give us something. He just got on the shore and said, okay, he's coming, he's coming. He's just give us something. And then in, in the passage that I have, Mark 8, they followed him. Maybe they packed a lunch this time because they'd heard. <laughs> and so they follow him. And they ate their lunch that night. And they camped out. And then the next morning, it was breakfast. And like, okay. I think we're going back and, and then jesus keeps on saying stuff and keeps on doing miracles the, these passages are in matthew and they're the same again they were they're very similar in matthew as well the only thing that that matthew does add is that he was doing signs and miracles like for both of these both of these incidences which is which is kind of interesting for this for this three-day one here in 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 mark eight like because if there are anything like like kim's sermon last week Jesus had to be getting dehydrated from spitting on everybody. <laughs> Three days of miracles. Ptooey, you're good. Ptooey, you're good. <laughs> Is, but three days. Three days of stuff. The people stuck around. like, And they didn't think about eating. And not once they're like, okay, we're a day and a half out. I'm really hungry and we're in the desert. Maybe I should turn back now. And then they glance at Jesus like, oh, he's doing crazy stuff again. I'll keep following. And then it's just a sandy horizon or whatever. It just says, I mean, it's remote. Like, there ain't people around. Three days. After three days of people listening to him, getting healed, getting fixed, getting defended, getting what they need from Jesus, then Jesus says, okay. I think they have a shepherd. Now I'll feed them. That's, I think, a pretty clear indication of what Jesus' priorities were. And it's not, it is backwards to what we think. It is not instinctive. And this is what Jesus is indicating to us. Shepherd first. Get yourself a shepherd first. And then, you know, feed yourself. What does this mean? What do we do with this? Because <laughs> this is weird. <sighs> yeah. This 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 doesn't go well. I, I I maybe this maybe this is why I'm in such a crappy mood today is because I haven't really eaten. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't eat the pizza. I wish I would have. Fingers crossed. Um, hey, crackers! <laughs> the glass pool comes through. <laughs> nice. But seriously, like... Food is, is 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 definitely important. Like I don't know how you can't argue that it's not. 
I mean, I dare you. This is, this would be a fun dare. Okay. If you ever find Kim Claire, if you could ever come across her when she's hungry, I dare you to say, you need a shepherd first. <laughs> You'll get punched. <laughs> and it'll hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's true. That's why it's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's kind of. I think it's. I think it's kind of like what what Jesus was saying with the you know whoever doesn't hate their mom and their dad can't be my disciple. It's not like he wants people to hate their mom and dad. It's just like, no, me first. You need me first. That is what he's saying here. I think you need me first. Like, yeah, I know, you're hungry, you need to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to be my sheep. I want to be your shepherd more. That is more important to you. So, okay, let's, let me, let me do some sales pitch to you. Why, why do we want a shepherd? Why is this a good thing? Why is this this important? I'll tell you what it's done for me. Because Jesus is my shepherd. And I, yeah, I follow him. And I've done some weird things that he's told me to do. And I've done some weird things that other people that I call shepherds in my life have told me to do. Mike Sayers, like this sermon. Um, <laughs> when other people are your shepherd, when you trust somebody for what you need when you trust somebody for to, to defend you to fix you then you don't worry about that stuff and you do important stuff is would you call eating important that's kind of a weird uh, important is a weird word to put on it it's necessary yeah you got to eat or you die Necessary, totally. Is it important? Is it an important thing to do every day? Eh, is it as important as loving people? Is it as important as making the world better? That's an argument. That's a harder debate. Jesus is saying, no, loving people. That's what I want you to do. I'll take care of this stuff. Don't worry about eating. Don't worry about defense. Don't worry about getting fixed. I'll do that stuff. You go love people. That is what having a shepherd can do. And in a, in a lot of ways, my wife is very much a shepherd to me. I trust her so much. She takes care of so many things in my life that I am just too stupid to remember. Dude, Benjamin, how's it going, man? <laughs> um, she takes care of so much in my life that I don't have to worry about and that I should worry about. <laughs> but I forget, or, like, I just trust her to do. And I do more stuff because of it. And vice versa. I take care of some things for my wife so that she doesn't have to worry about it. Trusting someone... 
legit. It's good. And it's hard. I did not trust my wife half as much as I do now as when I was first married. It's a weird thing. Like, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this about marriage. Like, getting married, like, you're single, 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 wedding. Now you have implicit trust upon a person as much as you possibly can. That is a sharp corner to turn. (laughs) That is hard. And it, it... but you're supposed to do it. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's like, your wife, you know, I trust you more than anybody. It's like, no. But yes. <laughs> so I'll tell you something about trust. You can make trusting decisions without trusting somebody. You can, though actuality may be that, oh, I don't trust this guy. Oh, well here's my keys (laughs) or whatever. Like you can make trusting decisions and trusting actions without actually trusting somebody. And listen to me here. That is the way that trust is created. You have to risk. You have to do a trusting decision in the face of distrust in order to build trust. Maybe I said trust too much in that last sentence. I hope I can say it twice. For illustration's sake, you have to make trusting decisions in the face of distrust in order to build trust. And our culture says, that's stupid. That is not a good idea. That is unwise. The church often will call it, that's not good stewardship. I hate it when people tell me that. That's not good stewardship. But it's loving. And it's trusting. Put myself in a bad mood again. Trust is something that Jesus says is good. That, this is what I got out of pounding my head against this scripture for the last two weeks. Trust is a good thing, and it frees us to do so much more than survive. John 10, John 10, Jesus said he's, he is the shepherd, the good shepherd, all capitals. Capital T, capital G, capital S. I am the good shepherd. I've done all, I've done all this stuff as a shepherd to give people life abundantly. Life abundantly is everything more than survival. Don't worry about survival. I'm giving you crazy good life. So, let's move into how to do this. Let's start with how to pick a shepherd. Um, Well, you've got your list of all the people in the world. We can cross a lot of people off by saying, okay, who can defend me? Who can fix me? Who can get me what, what I need? Kurt Cobain gets off the list. Almost all the Spice Girls. <laughs> all the Spice Girls. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. He's clutch, but he's not that clutch. 
Um, so that gets rid of a whole bunch of people. This shortens the list quite a bit of people who just can shepherd you. Now, next criteria is if you're going to trust somebody, if you're going to follow somebody like and do what they do and go where they go, you better want to go where they've been and go where they're going. So this gets this takes more people off the list. Uh, Obama, uh, Martha Stewart, uh, Chuck Norris. There's these people are cool. The, I think Chuck Norris could definitely take care of me. He could defend me. What? I am not going to answer that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> now. My guess is at this church, I think both sides were clapping for me saying that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to get into that here. <laughs> but I don't want to go where they want to go. I don't want to go. Well, uh, I don't even know where Chuck Norris goes anymore. Yeah, infomercials. <laughs> totally. I don't want to do infomercials. <laughs> um Moving on, our list is getting smaller. Really, really short now. Like, honestly, like maybe, maybe a, a, a parent, maybe a parent if you're lucky. Um, spouse, maybe if you got one. Uh, a boss, possibly if you're super lucky. Um. And Jesus, like, let me, please let me put Jesus on your list. I don't know what would you get Jesus off your list. Beatles, no, they're dead. <laughs> good, good point, good point, okay. I don't, I don't want to go where Paul McCartney is gone. Um, now, if you really want life like this person, then you start doing what they do. And you start doing what they suggest. Most of these most of these folks on your list are probably going to have something to say to you. Your parents. <laughs> your boss. <laughs> and then you, you evaluate, do I trust them? Do I want to do I want to have a life like my parents did? Do I want to have a life like my boss? Do I want to have a life like Jesus? Serious question mark at the end of that one. How to end for him? <laughs> but if you really want their life, if you really want what they've got and do what they've done, then you got to do what they do. Do what they suggest. All of it. Now, Keegan told me that this illustration wasn't as good, so I'm not sure if I'm going to do it or not. Has... has how many people have been to Mongolian barbecue? Okay. All right, Keegan, I'm going to go with it. Sorry, man. Um, it's This is not shepherd Mongolian barbecue. This is shepherd P.F. Chang's or your favorite Chinese place. You know, okay, now whenever I've gone to Mongolian barbecue, now there's not many Mongolian barbecues as there were like, say, what, five, six years ago. There's a ton of them, it seems like. Maybe even like 10 years ago. And now there's not very many. And my theory is because it always tastes the same. 
doesn't it? Like, you know, okay, chicken, pork, or beef. There's variety. And you get your noodles, and then you can have all these different sauces that you can try and, like, make your own Chinese food or whatever. Um, no matter what I did, it always tastes the same. <laughs> that pork tastes like beef, tastes like chicken. <laughs> and even if I did all lemon sauce and nothing else, it still tasted like teriyaki. <laughs> this is not the way to pick, to pick shepherd stuff. You can't just do the buffet. Say, like, oh, I want this part of this guy, this part of that guy, this part of this guy. Because you're always going to remain the same. What we do as humans, like, so we're so tempted to do this is, like, say, it's just get so egocentric and say, I am awesome. I'm as good as a guy gets. And, and so I'm going to do the buffet. Like, okay, since I am awesome, this guy supports what I do. This guy supports what I do here. I'm going to get rid of this part. And you just pick and choose pieces of philosophy and religions and and media that says you're rad and when you do that it's Mongolian barbecue you're going to always end up the same if you don't subscribe to everything about a shepherd about someone you trust about somewhere you want to go then you're not going to get anywhere it's totally it's bootstrap theory defined it's that definition of madness that you hear about all the time. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So with Jesus, with anybody that you want to emulate and trust and be like, you take it all. And if you're going to get any better, you're probably going to have to do some stuff that you've never done before or do some stuff that you really suck at or do some stuff that you disagree with. I'll tell you, like, I have disagreements with Jesus. My faith is is that which I uh, is is enough that I can say, no, I'm gonna I'll I'll do this, Jesus. This does not make sense to me to me. Like I would not have done it that way, Jesus. I have disagreements with Jesus. I think a lot of people do and they don't want to admit that but it leads to really good conversations, really good scripture study. It's like, God, what? I, predestination? Calvinists? Huh. I don't know. You, you wrote it right there, so i got to believe it, and I will believe it. I'll choose to believe it, but man, Jesus, if you let me do it, I wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> but then there's some days where I'm like, oh, Free will, that was a dumb idea, too. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so glad I'm not God. Anyways, so are you. Believe me. That is an implication of this. If you trust somebody, if you trust someone to be your shepherd, chances are you're going to disagree with them at some point, And they're going to tell you to do stuff that you don't want to do. It's like, Jesus, I suck at that. That's not my gifting. It's like, I don't care. Jesus told you to do it anyway. 
So many people say, like, oh, well, I'm not gifted evangelists. It's like, so? You might not get the results that a gifted evangelist does, but Jesus told you to do it anyway. Try it. So many of the things that I've found that I've argued with Jesus and said, Jesus, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. I've said, okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll do it. And it's good. It's probably embarrassing. Um, Somebody called me stupid. Uh, Whatever. But the reason Jesus tells us to do everything is for our good. He tells us stuff to profit us, to make our lives better, not just because it's fun to boss people around. What I did, uh, I, I used to do campus ministry, and I talked to students all the time, and they're like, yes, I agree with everything that Jesus says. And I was like, oh, I don't think you do. Like, but I do. And I was like, well, why don't you do it then? I'm like, what? It's like, do you see how Jesus says to throw parties? This is one of my favorite things that Jesus says. That's weird. It's in Luke, the, the teens of Luke. I can't remember exactly where, but like he says, when you throw a party, don't invite any of your friends or people that you know, because if you do that, then they'll just do something nice for you. They're like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> when you throw a party, Jesus says, invite people that couldn't ever pay you back. Why would he tell us that? This is the and so many people that like and stuff like that, you know, uh, give all your stuff away and follow me. Be be last. Get rid of your security. Dot dot dot. Jesus tells us some things that are counterintuitive. And so many of us who say, myself included, hear that. So many of us that say, "With I agree with everything that Jesus says, we don't do that stuff. Because, frankly, I don't want to. I like my stuff. That guy doesn't get my motorbike. I don't know. It's, it's hard. Expect difficulty in following a shepherd. And getting somewhere and being smarter, being better, being hotter, faster, stronger, more loving, and doing more good in the world. Getting better at all of those things is going to take you doing some things that you haven't done before. Things that you're not good at yet. It'll take some embarrassment. So yes, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000. Jesus fed a lot of people. And it was a pretty cool trick. Seriously. Thousands of people. A few, few loaves of bread and some fish. He did it twice. That's got to say something. He did it twice. He didn't just do it once. It's a hard trick. I can't do it. Don't let me gloss over the fact that Jesus can do stuff that no one else can. He's son of the almighty God. But what he is saying in this comparison and what he's been saying to me over this last week is that, yeah, he's compassionate. He loves us. And he wants us all to eat. 
He wants you never to be hungry. But what he really wants, what he wants more than that, is he wants to be your shepherd. He wants to fix you. He wants to defend you. He wants to get you what you need so you can have all the freedom to do what is good in life. So he faces us, even if we do call him shepherd already. Can I fix you? Can I please defend you? Can I please get you what you need? Brothers and sisters, not yet, brothers and sisters. Think about that question. Please answer him.